Hello and welcome to the Marketing That Matters podcast, casual conversations for purpose-driven women. Each week we'll talk about what's grabbed our attention, productivity hacks making our life easier, and chat about a purpose-led brand. What got my attention this week was actually another journal article. It's a meta-analysis from the Journal of Marketing from August 2020 titled A Meta-Analysis of When and How Advertising Creativity Works. For those of you who don't know, a meta-analysis is when the author will look at a whole bunch of publications and then kind of analyze them all and come up with a conclusion. Why this was interesting is the advertising industry really values creativity in the delivery of ads, but I always seem to think that they place so much emphasis on creativity when a boring ad can be just as effective. We've seen this for our clients time and time again. An ad doesn't have to be really, really creative in order for it to work. Even an ad that's very simple, straight to the point, can have the same effect. So I found this article really interesting. They conclude, the pattern of results suggests that advertising creativity has a role to play in stimulating positive consumer responses that goes beyond being a source of attention. Although claims that advertising creativity enables advertising to cut through the clutter and make advertising more memorable are true, they risk directing focus away from attitudinal consumer responses, which are more affected. The fact that advertising creativity has stronger effects in high involvement contexts suggests that processing is important for the effects to occur. And I just found this interesting because they're basically saying that although creativity can be important, it isn't the main thing about an ad. What did you think? Look, this was not easy to read. Jade, thank you for this suggestion um, on today's podcast. Um, It was, it really did challenge, um, it was, it's hard to read because it is a collection of um, publications to read it. They're obviously pulling all these different um, articles to bring about why they're coming to their statements and their their study. Um, I agree. There's an argument for both sake where the when creative when should creativity be used when shouldn't it be used, and I think it comes down to the objective. I think also what I found interesting in this article was creativity being associated with originality. Yes. And it's so true that people think creativity means it's a new idea. Yes. But that's not necessarily the case. You can be creative without being original. Yeah. And to be honest, what the study showed was creativity with originality actually was less effective. Yes, because people have to wrap their head around something new. Completely. Yeah. So that was interesting. Um. And another insight they had was that creativity was more effective for unfamiliar brands than familiar brands. Yeah. But that makes sense with exactly what you just said because you don't know the brand anyway. Yes. So it's going to be more effective because you've got nothing to go on. It's, It's completely new brand. What I liked about it, what I also saw was um, incorporating appropriate appropriateness, consumers' response will be more positive, which means you can't be completely original. You need to have appropriateness in the market. I have seen this before with um, brands, and I'm talking Perth brands, that have gone and tried to be completely original, hired these massive creative teams, um, even used LA production companies to be completely original, different, to make a big statement, 
and the appropriateness of what they're trying to achieve is missing. Therefore, the effectiveness, it almost flopped, I've seen. And I'm not, not going to say what brand, but yes, we all, the ad industry, ood and art over it just because of the budget and the, the creativity of it all. But the brand itself didn't see the results and they went as far away from that creative agency as they possibly could. Yeah, you can get caught down a rabbit hole of agencies trying to win awards and be creative and do this. But if it doesn't achieve the objective for the client at the end of the day, whether that was to sell something or educate the consumer, then you haven't won anything. No. Let's just talk, because it did talk about then when when to use it. Did you see that? And um, I think it comes down to objective, uh, the objective as well. So here's the argument of where you spend your dollars. Do you spend it in creativity or do you spend it in media? And look, it depends on what you're trying to achieve. So if you've got, if you're, if you want to be, if your um, objective is recall, then frequency is important. You spend it in media. If your objective is being memorable, possibly for, then there might be a need to put some more dollars into your creativity until you've made that mark of your brand. Yeah, until your brand becomes familiar. That was really important because it definitely highlighted the need to consider creativity investment and not just media investment. I find with a lot of clients, they're happy to put the money into their TV spot, their social media, sorry, their topical media ads, and they don't actually see the value in putting money into the delivery of the ad, the, the creative of the ad. So I think this article was really important to highlight that a creative creative investment needs to be there. Look, I definitely know the brands that do that, but there's also brands that do the opposite. Like there's there's brands that... Sp- I haven't met them yet. Yeah, I there's definitely brands that... Um, spend in the creative because the creative are possibly the ones leading it and they spend the dollars in the creative and then hope that a YouTube... Yeah, like Mm. don't think about some brands that they've literally put on YouTube and hope... Oh, yeah, and they just hope someone finds it and shares it with a thousand. Yeah, that they might go viral. Oh, I have actually sat in a room where um, the clients asked us to create a viral ad. That's the brief. That's the brief. Create, create something viral. It has. And I'm sitting there going, mm-hmm. don't you think we would have? Like, <laughs> do, you, do you think is that, do you, hmm, okay, Le- leave it with me. Leave it with me. I'll get back to you yeah. on that one. Yeah. Okay, so what's got my attention this week is an Ad Age article. The article's title is UK Agencies Struggle to Find the Right Tone for Christmas, written by Alexandra Jardine. Published on October 1st, 2020, the byline reads, Scripts are subject to multiple rewrites as the rules keep changing. Now, obviously topical around COVID. So COVID is changing how we can produce ads. COVID's changing how appropriate the... Um, appropriate the, I guess, relationships are in ads because there's different rules, especially in different countries, especially if you're doing a global ad, you can't really go pushing out the same type of ad with families catching up together. Um, London's back in lockdown. So, and, you know, we've still got state here back in lockdown. Um, This article really highlights the wide range of challenges ad agencies are having. And um, what I liked about it is it touched on all different aspects of it. So also something I hadn't thought of was how they how um, production teams can't travel. Yeah, you're very limited in what you can do. 
Mm. So you have to really think, well, if you're going to have the same talent in the ad, can they get there? You can use production companies all over the world. Oh, I didn't think about it. If people have brand ambassadors and things like that, they're having to use them in the location they're already in. Totally. Yeah. You, you, you'd have limitations on if the director could fly, um, all sorts. So I've got a quote here. When you're thinking about what will Christmas be like this year, you're having to play a cunning guessing game as to the mood of the nation and what the rules will be, says Jan Elliott, Joint Executive Creative Director at the, part, the AND Partnership, which works with Retail Argos on its Christmas campaign. We might all be isolating again at Christmas, so showing lots of people together might be insensitive. Another thing you have to be considerate of is presenting a side of Christmas where you spend a lot of money, particularly this year when people have been under so much pressure. What are your thoughts? In a way, I feel like this isn't such a bad thing. I feel like it's making larger brands stop and even industries as a whole and even the advertising industry as a whole, making them stop and think about why they're normally doing what they're doing. And I feel like it's a really opportune time for businesses to show their purpose, show their just their purpose and how they're helping in this time. Don't worry about, it sounds horrible to say, don't worry about trying to make money. If you're putting an ad out there rather than showcasing a product or a service, why not just show people your purpose and what you're doing? Sure. So then we go, so then let's look at what that would look like. So imagine having a whole heap of your social media, a whole heap of, your, you know, say TV advertising, um, showing all these brands doing good things around the world. I don't know. I almost think advertising is also um, used best in these times for escapism. Let's not eat, like, why don't we look at a utopia world of we're finishing 2020. What's what 2021 look like? It's yeah. going to look a hell of a lot better than 2020. Let's, let's well, help. Let's hope so. Well, that, you know, if we, if we go back to our theory, I guess, on advertising and associations of what we want the consumer to feel about your brand, you want them to be thinking about, have the connotations towards your brand, brand as happy and, you know, almost like, uh, yeah, I want to lean into that, not lean away. Yeah. So I think there is a need to, I don't think the brand's responsibility is to go and highlight again the news. You know, we all see no, enough of yeah, that. Yeah, we all, yeah. And you weren't saying that. Um, and you were saying possibly show the purpose. I'm almost like, let's just get as far away from 2020 as possible. Far away from reality as possible. Reality as possible. Let's yeah. just go, let's just go utopia and you know, what, what are we going to, what are we going to do 2021? Let's just leave 2020 behind and Christmas advertising should be a, let's get the creative thinking. Let's, let's get the consumers away from this, you know, mindset of I've literally spent 2020 in my house yeah, and I've got no money to do it up and I'm, I'm depressed pretty yeah. much. Let's get, let's get people away from that mindset. So our purpose brand this week is Cadbury. Um, when John Cadbury founded his company in 1824, he believed that chocolate could be a force for good in the world. When Cadbury Dairy Milk Chocolate was first made in 1906, it was produced not just with a glass, but with an equivalent of a glass and a half full of cream milk. And still today, hence where the tagline comes from, there's a glass and a half in everyone. Now, Coco Life has been running since 2011 and touches many aspects of life for communities in Coco regions. From farming techniques te techniques to looking after the environment and supporting the local economy, one of their ads say, by eating dairy milk, you've been helping deforestation and you didn't even know it. Thanks to Coco Life, we're helping plant plantations to protect the forests around them. So, Coco Life, Cabri, talk to me, Jade. 
I found that their purpose was around their commitment to making everyone feel happy. And they define that on their website, but then they also say he believes that chocolate could be a force for good in the world. So I feel like their essence and their purpose is around making people feel good, feel happy. But they're overshadowing this with all this Coco Life stuff. And they're only doing that because their product and their manufacturing of this product is affecting those communities. So they have to. And that's kind of annoying me a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's great that they're doing those things for those communities and those industries that their production's affecting. The company doesn't exist to do those things. They started to make good in the world through chocolate. And they're only doing these things in these communities because they have to, because of their production. And they're putting all that at the forefront because that's obviously what they're copying the most criticism about. I feel like they should be, they're focusing more on their purpose, which is about bringing this happiness to the world. Interesting. And I'm, I'm really interested you're ta- making this stance because you're usually one for all pushing the sustainability, but you're actually saying... I feel like they have to be doing that sustainability element for that industry, for that cocoa industry and the communities. They have to be doing that because their production affects it so much. But their purpose... But their purpose, as they've defined, is a passionate commitment to making everyone feel happy. happy. Their purpose isn't helping these cocoa... Plantations. Plantations, thank you. Be more sustainable. Be more sustainable. They're just having to do that because their production requires them to do that. Right. And they're putting all that at the forefront because that's what they're going to cop the most criticism about. But that's not necessarily what their purpose is because that's not why they started. I think that's a really challenging um, point of view on this brand. And I like it. I think you're right that a brand like Cadbury pushing the fact that they have been doing it since, um, what did they say, 2011. I was annoyed that they're now making a campaign in 2020. Hey, guys, you actually have been supporting. So what? You have a responsibility. Fantastic. Good on you. Keep yeah. making production in a sustainable way. You're you're going to be making great profits from this, aren't you, Cadbury, for 50 years to come, 100 years to come? Yes. Don't you want the planet to still be still producing what you need? Yeah, exactly. So just keep on doing that. But in the background, let's look at how you bring happiness. Like, I, I, I was kind of a bit annoyed. I was just going to say, I don't think I see as much fun from their recent advertising as they could be, especially with everything going on in the world. They could be a brand that could bring so much joy and so Mm. much, you know, they have so much personality that they could really, sure, there's room in the market for them to spread that extra joy rather than talking about such a serious issue as well. Agree. And I would be interested to see how that looks. So um, if they were to flip it, put the sustainability campaigns on the back burner a bit just on all packaging you know and they do they have the coco life symbol on the packaging great we know that it is and maybe even go a step further and make sure you're putting plans in place you know having on the website like i think body shop does put the goals on the website even on packaging of your steps to make a 100 percent sustainable business by 2025 2030 let's not be too ambitious but um how, what the steps are for the company to be completely self-sufficient, reliant on the um, energy versus get, taking from the planet and then move the money for marketing dollars into purposeful happiness and joy. And, I mean, I don't know if anyone remembers the gorilla ad from 2007. Of course we do. Yeah. <laughs> we'll put a link to that if you haven't seen it, but there's a little Phil Collins reference in there. Um, 
that kind of stuff is what they should be doing. That ad always made me feel great and mm. I would always sing it. Mm. I feel like that's where they need to get back to because that is their purpose and they need to keep showing that. Right. And Cadbury is a great example of a brand that can own a colour as well. So from that, if we're, if we're looking at um, colour, making sure that you reflect on your own colour as a brand, I think. This is probably something to take away from this brand. Yeah, definitely. Um, reflect on your own social media look, your website look. Um, every touch point look of the customer journey yeah, and see what's a dominant, seeing, col- dominant yeah. colour. And are they seeing the same colours in, the, the, same in colour? the same way? Um, know, and if, if you look at Cadbury, everything you're going to see is going to be that purple. purple. Agree. So I think um, that's probably a good um, takeaway for for someone to, to, to maybe just have a quick look at all your touch points as a customer would go, would um, when they're seeing all your branding elements and just make sure that color, the, the colour you want to be dominant is. It, yeah. And if not, just make a change. Yeah. And I think as well, this is a great example of businesses getting caught up in the things that they're probably copying a lot of criticism on rather than solely focusing on their purpose. And I think that's where this is. They've obviously get a lot of industry pushback on what they're doing sustainability wise. So they're pushing that to the front, which yes, because people need to do it. But if people want to find out that information, they can still find it. If you're, if you're doing the act, if you're actually doing the right things, but don't forget what your purpose is and don't forget what the business was started. I agree. I think um, Cadbury, uh, if you look at the Cadbury's three posts on social media that they did around their sustainability, you know, did you know since 2011 you've been supporting um, a sustainable cocoa life um, um, production? They have literally had like two comments. For a brand like Cadbury, it's getting two comments. One of them has 20 and all the comments are negative around palm oil, I think, and you should see the response from Cadbury. It's literally like legal jargon written yeah. back on Instagram. I even, who's, you know, researching to discuss this, I even couldn't be bothered reading it all. Yeah. I was like, so imagine just a general consumer who's literally just said, well, oh, pity about the palm oil or whatever. They can't be bothered reading the legal jargon. And do you think they're going to come back and say anything to it? No. Come on, Cadbury. I just think that, they would be also internally in their marketing team reflecting on whether or not it's a space they should even be promoting. Yeah. I think I'd really like to see Cadbury go back to the um, the old gorilla ads and spreading a bit of joy. Yeah. My productivity hack this week is something in Canva. It's actually a pro feature. So if you don't have Canva Pro, you won't be able to do it. I think it's Canva Pro is about $16 a month. But this is so handy. If you've ever wanted to cut the background out of an image, if you just want the person, Canva does this for you in one click, which is amazing. Because before that, I was doing it in Photoshop and etching around it, and it takes forever. And the one-click wizard in Photoshop does not work as well as this one does in Canva. It is amazing. So for anyone that needs to get a background off an image and just pull the person out, Canva Pro would be fantastic for this, and you can do it with one click. I've got a hack with product marketing. If you have a bestseller, don't be afraid to repeatedly use your number one. Leveraging off products that don't bring in as much revenue can sometimes create missed opportunities. Go change your social media plan now. Put your number one bestseller on multiple times throughout your media, throughout your social media plan. And don't be afraid of bombarding your consumers with that um, one product. Lead with that bestseller time and time again. Why? Because it works.
That covers it for this week. Make sure you leave us a review or follow us on Instagram at Marketing That Matters Pod. We love a chat. Thanks for listening to the Marketing That Matters podcast.